0: Welcome back, Apprenticeship Diary listeners. This is Cross Questioning, part two of Amy's interview with Tony Albanese.
1: Welcome to the Apprenticeship Diaries, where raw meets refined.
0: Let's be real, we're still working on (laughs) refined.
1: What it took, what it takes, and the stories that are made.
0: Join us as we learn from professionals about how their stories began.
1: that works both ways too, because, um, there's definitely weak leaders too, or people that are like, they, they kind of don't assume it to be enough of their problem that mm-hmm. it's, it's beneficial either where you get a lot of delinquent practitioners who were never told to do certain things. And mm-hmm. so that's not good either. Um, and you know, or you, you run into somebody like I had a moment when I went to Trinity tattooing, I, I, I was all scared cause it was my first, um, my first uh, uh, guest spot ever. And I didn't bring drape sheets. I I knew they had drape sheets there. I didn't know if I could use them or anything like that. And in my mind, I was like, Oh shit. And he was letting me use a travel bed of his. And I was doing this woman's ankle and I did have Matt aside. I had brought Matt aside with me to, to, you know, scrub everything afterwards. And since then, by the way, I have seen a shit ton of people with non-wrapped, uh, chairs and things like that with no drape sheets on them. And I don't know if they're just taking pictures like that, but I've seen them tattoo without drape sheets either. And I'm like, okay, all right, cool. Um, you didn't, you didn't get what I got. Um, but, but, uh, you know, the owner of the business, he said, you know, I really, I really try to wrap my, uh, equipment And, and, you know, please make sure that you wipe this down really well. And if you need a drape sheet, they're here. But I didn't Mm -hmm. I didn't ask him because I was too embarrassed uh, to ask him and to to admit that I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. And I had never done this before. So Mm -hmm. there is there's all that trepidation at first. Um, But he was really kind to me and was really sweet in the face of my client. I ended up getting clients for a long time after that. They were willing to travel to Maryland to see me. Um, so it, it was a really cool experience, but, you know, had he been a dick or had he been, you know, that, that would have shook me even more. And I probably wouldn't have traveled again had it been, you know, that awful. So he really, I think, um, you know, Dave, Dave is a good guy. Um, uh, he, own, well, it's not Trinity anymore. It's called something different. And I think they move locations, but
0: uh, so Dave is, Lukeson is a good guy. How does that work? Like when you do one of these. Um, guest spots. I mean, I could see if you're Paul Booth or something, you know, like he's coming to town and, you know, then they'll just line up outside for him. But like if you're, not I mean, you're not unknown, certainly, but, you know, like if no, you're, I'm, so similar, I'm, if you are unknown, like, I'm lesser how does, known. <laughs> how, does, well, how does that work? Like you show up, is it like walk in shops or how does that work? Where are you just going to, like, I would think if I travel that way and I just sit there and I don't do any tattoos for right. however many days it is.
1: Well, It depends on the kind of studio. Um, the one that I most recently traveled to, I, I knew that they were a busy shop and I knew that, that the owner had an amazing social media presence. So her her studio was bigger. It had a huge draw. Everybody was already really busy. So I felt comforted in the fact that people were already looking at her shop as a shop yeah. to go to in the area. Less about me and more about the studio itself and how that was a place in Minnesota that you would go to get tattooed. Not to mention she has a really great like Look online and and it's very attractive. I mean, I found her through um a whole project she was doing that was a Kickstarter for a um for doing um tarot cards. And then I was like, this is a dope project. And then I found her and I saw that she had recently opened up a shop and was having a grand opening, and she was already like connecting with the community, her grand opening, she was going to be giving proceeds to a local women's shelter. I was like, this chick has it on point. So I saw kind of the things that I needed to see where she was somebody who knew that you had to work with the community and that, and we, and then I interviewed her and then I, then we fell in love with each other. I just love Jordan. She's cool as shit. And I was like, this, this girl gets it. She gets what tattooing's about, she gets what it's all about and she's going to be really successful. So At that point, it was less about making money because when I travel places, if I'm going to be honest, I I really just look to break even. For me, it's about a learning experience of going to a new place, meeting other tattoo artists, networking, because you don't usually get that opportunity at tattoo conventions unless you're a partier and you you have stamina that I don't have. Um, because they'll like they'll have a party after the convention, but even working 12 hour days, it's you're you're cashed, like you're done. And so yeah. all you can get through is maybe a beer. And then you're like, I'm out, guys, I gotta sleep because I got I got a full day tomorrow. Um yeah. So when you're going to guest spots, I feel like it's more about networking, seeing what other machines people are using, what kind of inks they prefer, you know, asking questions about how they're running their business, little tips and tricks about how they kind of organize everything, how they interact with their communities. Um, So that was why I really went, but, but the, the added benefit was, is that, um, I fulfilled a need. You know, she has one artist in her in her flock of artists that do a watercolor style so similar to mine, but she's booked solid. She is not able to, you know, have anybody. So, if you have somebody that's like me who can come and who is a watercolor artist and, and provides, you know, a quick fix for somebody who's looking for a watercolor artist like in that moment and doesn't want to wait forever and ever and ever, um And they, they, you know, they put me on blast. They were like, we have this artist. And they made this whole like thing, shout out for me and put it online. And she has a great social media presence. So um, right away, like instantly uh, I got like two people right off the top of the bat that booked right away. And then it just progressively started booking up for me. And then I had a walk-in while I was there too, uh, which Mm -hmm. was my first walk-in in years, but it was so fun to do that again. Um, because it was a heat that I was not used to, that was very refreshing. and it was rewarding to know for me that I still had that in me, that I could perform like that. but what what was weird was that we we both were wearing masks. so i I don't know what she looks like from like here down, like at all. Yeah. and it's, it's it was very weird to, like, permanently mark somebody and not know what they really look like um and you know if she doesn't look me up she won't know what I look like either from there down but we had a moment it went beyond you know not seeing each other's faces it was definitely a connection um because she's a she was a um a barber as well so we had a lot to talk about. It was really a kismet kind of thing. Cause she walked in was like, I was prepared to walk out. Like I was, I was prepared for somebody to say, nah, nah we don't got an openings. And So she's like, it just, just worked out. And I was like, yeah, but that's the thing is that like, you know, when you go on guest spots, it's a bit of an adventure and you're kind of looking to shake things up from your norm and that's why you do it. Um, to kind of get fresh again and flex the muscles. Is that as
0: sort of your vacation? I heard somebody yeah. said once, like tattooers don't really take vacations, they go to guest spots places. Yeah. Is that, is that mm-hmm. accurate? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because when I was self-employed, I still, you know, nobody if I wasn't working, I wouldn't get paid, but I still took time off. But I was usually to go home because it was so far from home. Mm-hmm. It's drive 13 hours back to the Virginia Beach. Um but, I mean, I, took, I think I took three weeks off once at Christmas. Probably not a good idea. If the guy was hinting around, like, well, we'll just use the other guy where you're gone. No, I wasn't anticipating that. Um, <laughs> it's usually a slow time of year for cars and stuff. Yes. But, uh, oh, by the way, I thought your work was pretty good. I, I realized, like, I don't know if I actually scrolled down very far on, her, on your Instagram, but I did. And I was like, oh, because when you reminded me when you said the watercolors again, mm-hmm. I was like, you pretty good, it was pretty
1: good too thank you, thank you, thank you. You know every day, I mean that's the thing, right like we're we're kind of never done like what i what i it's an amazing thing that I get to partake in with my clients because we are taking a leap of faith in each other, you know, like uh, we're all meeting each other at this very wonderful space where they've seen my art, they like it a lot. And then they commission me to do something, but they don't know what they're gonna get because whatever we come up with has never been done before. At least that's the way I kind of try to do it: is that like, yeah, the idea has been explored at nauseum, but but we're gonna come up with something that's purely you and that's going to fit your body and all of this stuff. So they don't know, and they're taking a leap. And and there is that whole thing of like, you know, people are really like, oh, well, aren't you scared to tattoo somebody? It's permanent, and I'm like. No, because I don't think about that while I'm doing it. I wouldn't draw if I were to think about all the mistakes I'm going to make throughout the course of this. You just make a mistake. and The thing of it is, is that when two human beings are meeting in that same space together under the same idea, they kind of welcome the happy accidents. They welcome the experience of sitting there and being a part of somebody's artistic journey. And that's something that's very rare. It's very unique. It's not, it's not common and it can't be reproduced. And so that's what they're doing. They're not doing it for this perfection kind of thing. It's, it's quite contrary. It's, it's really about being real, doing one thing for the day, kind of investing in your own brand with a person, with an artist that, you know, you have this and you're forming a relationship with. And so it's very, it's very cool. And, um, and I tell people usually when I'm mostly done with the tattoo, I'm like, well, that turned out great. You know, and they're like, well, you sound surprised. I'm like, well, you know, you never really know how a goat is going to go. <laughs> like, you know, you yeah, don't. I There's too many variables. To myself, oh, my God. <laughs> with the podcast, like, I, what the fuck is this going to be? <laughs> no,
0: no, the tattoo the, the and a tattoo, like I didn't do oh, yeah. it up real bad or something. Yeah. Well, what do you yeah, do? Yeah. Like if you're doing a tree and you only intended it to have, say, four branches and you make a mistake, oh, well, now it has five branches, and you have to turn that mistake into a, like a fifth branch or something.
1: I mean, you know, hopefully the branches weren't any kind of symbolic meaning to the wearer, you know, like if they wanted four branches because they have four kids and you would be like, oh, you're going to have a fifth, right? You know, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
0: yeah, you have to come up with something like that.
1: Yeah. Like something. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, there's been very few. I I will say that a big pro tip is that those nautical stars, they're not common and they're not, and they will come back because fucking shit always comes back. Um, But those nautical stars where every other panel of them is shaded, you'd be amazed how you can fuck up in every other thing. So a big pro tip is wherever you are supposed to be shading, you put an X where you, you shade it in black because while you're in, yeah. Yeah. While you're in that moment, you can fuck up. I've seen it. I've seen seasoned people shade the wrong part of a nautical star. And
0: and I've I've (laughs) done that with things I was doing. Like I looked (laughs) up and realized, Oh, this was supposed to be a black denary, not the part next to it. And I have to figure out what I'm going to do here. It's a different yeah, it. part
1: of the brain Um, because like the, every other thing I do feel like is like an organ organizational kind of part of the brain. That's a little bit more on the lines of mathematic kind of thinking, same thing with lettering and, and writing. Like you're going to, you're making it look good. Fuck. If you know what you're spelling, you're just, you're yeah. just, you're doing, it's a completely other thing. Then you're like, Oh shit. I, I smell, I spelled birthday wrong. It's birthday. day.
0: Where's mm. the R, you know? <laughs> Is that that no regerts? <laughs> yeah, joke about that no <laughs> regurts
1: yeah. yeah, so that's the thing that people like, you know, definitely spell check your artist. Definitely, you know, if you want something written, make sure you know how to spell it. You know how it's written, that you go over those yeah. things really with a fine tooth comb because it's not that the artist would want to do that to you. It's just simply one Photoshop or any kind of thing like that typically doesn't have spell check. <laughs> yeah. So that's one thing. And then also we don't think with that part of our brain, when we're designing for you, we're, we're thinking yeah. design elements only, and we're just trying to make it look good. So definitely go over. And a lot of us are, are dyslexic as fuck. Like that's a common thread yeah. <laughs> with tattoo artists is that we're, we're kind of oh, a little, you know, it's harder for us at times. So I mean, I've,
0: I've drawn things like a banner with something written in and realize I left a letter out. mm mm-hmm.
1: it's, it's, it's awful. It's so awful,
0: <laughs> but
1: you know, it happens, I, you know, like uh, if it was if, like, I, I would imagine it would be really bad with like a car or something like that. One of the guys that I've interviewed, Ken, he, he does a lot with one shot paint and he's like, you know, the beautiful thing is you can just wipe it right off. Cause it, you know, you have to, it has to dry, but you know, take a little mineral spirits and wipes right off when it's still wet. But he's like, then you got to do it all over. <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's oh, yeah. just so defeating <laughs> I, I, sometimes I thought of pinstriping but that 08 the 08 uh recession mm-hmm. I noticed like all that stuff those all the people did like I I didn't feel a thing except that I didn't get a raise that year yeah um but my job was safe but like lots of jobs like a lot of I was into the airbrush painting and stuff like that and it was like just even on all the magazines out at the time or whatever was written online was like like, I have to go do something else now during the recession. Yeah. But I kind of noticed like tattooing, like, all mainly I was researching by like looking at like the jobs. Like, there was like an up, uptick of people looking for apprenticeships or looking for um, tattoo artists at the time. Mm-hmm. So I think, like is that, is it somewhat recession proof? Um, or people have well, more time with it? Uh,
1: I mean, you, you can do it in your basement. Um, and you can do most professions, uh, on a home turf basis, if you're able to buy all the equipment and, and know, know the profession well enough. I mean, there are some professions that like, I mean, shit, even like you know, makeshift surgical kind of stuff. I'm pretty sure you can make a clean room in your house. It wouldn't be cool. No, I make cool, jokes but like, at
0: work about, like, I want to do know. surgery in my garage at home.
1: Oh, well, yeah. Like, I mean, I'm pretty sure you could. Um, you know, you probably, your clientele would be very unsavory people. And that's kind yeah, of, that's I the same with tattooing that, too. You yeah. know, I, I will say this, that during, um, during COVID, when the governor shut us down, I heard from two police officers that were like, hey, you want to, you want to tattoo me? And I'm like, asshole, I can't tattoo anybody right now. Well, I'm a cop, you know, it's no, you know, I was like, yeah, you're not, you're not supposed to be cool with son. this too. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, but it's fine. And I'm like, I hear you. I said, but at the time I was, I was locked out of even having my equipment. You know, I, I worked in a place and I got fired. So I was able to go get my equipment, but I didn't even have access to my equipment. I was completely locked out of you know, going there and getting my stuff. And that would have been not cool anyway, if I like went there and grabbed my stuff and and, you know, and my, my boss doesn't want me being a practitioner that he would have in his employee and then me be risking anything in my own home. Um, you know, that it's just not a good look. Um, but you can do that. And I wouldn't say and I, I have done it. I did learn a lot of things in my home before I had people offer me an apprenticeship and I have tattooed friends and family in my house as well, but I, I I knew then how to set things up. And Mm -hmm. as long as I wasn't charging for it, um, my, my boss was fine. And I had all my own equipment that was separate from his. So nothing was, was correlated to that way. But so in that respect, it is recession proof because you know, you can do it out of your house. The only thing is, is that you can't keep something like that without using it. So what I found is, is that the rare occasion that I would have where I would, you know, tattoo a friend or a family member didn't substantiate having a full studio in my basement, you know, without having it be a fully functional place where I'm constantly using the equipment, where I'm constantly wiping it down, while I'm constantly, you know, keeping it up if it, if it sits any amount of time, I mean, you know, as a, as a surgical scrubber, you know, dust accumulates things acu- like bottles, you know, the pressure of like hot and cold will have bottles explode or, or chemicals go under certain things. So if you're not yeah. using them regularly, it it's not good either. So that's what I found was that I was like, I, I just would rather, I eventually asked my boss, I said, can I just bring people here to the studio? Uh, I'll, you know, I'll charge them like a hundred bucks for you so that, you know, they're taking up studio time and some of your equipment, but is it cool if I do that? He was he was always fine with that. So um uh, that's you think what it there was.
0: a lot of artists during the lockdown uh, Huh? Working at, home? Not at oh, not during the lockdown.
1: Yeah, yeah. There was
0: definitely I, yeah, I figured they I never hear anybody talk about it. I noticed like there was a big podcast phase, fade, excuse me, fade during the uh, like 20 during uh 2020. Mm-hmm. Um like, I would thought, I would, I kind of thought, like, well, I think you'd think they got nothing else to do. They'd make more podcasts then or something. But <laughs> I thought, too, like, they got to be doing this in there. I mean, they, you know, they got bills to pay, mouths to feed. Yeah. I mean, I think I would have in their shoes. Yeah. I their shoes.
1: Well, I mean, month. depends on their situation. They might have had uh, a partner that was an essential worker or employee. Yeah. You know, exactly. that's. how a lot of people do in this business, you know, like they, they have somebody that has like a normal job that like, you know, has a 401k and paid time off and all that good stuff. So um, that's, that's, that's typical too. Um, I, I was fortunate. That was my, my, you know, lot in life too. I, I didn't, that was my whole flatten the curve stance was that I wasn't going to collect unemployment because for me, the financial aspect of this was way more ominous than what I saw the optics of COVID being personally. Um, Because that's, that's what we're not going to feel for a little bit, but it's happening and it's it's happening more and more now and it's going to get worse. Um, And so that is something that I kind of, that's the hill that I wanted to die on, but I don't have kids. And I did have an essential worker. He's a pizza guy. So, (laughs) However essential that is, that is but,
0: restaurant. Uh, it's
1: yeah. Restaurant? It's a pizzeria. Um, his, his family owns a 40 year old pizzeria that has the most dope oh, wow. pizza. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, if you're going to get pizza, you should get it from Rico's family. It's Vito's uh, pizzeria, but um, yeah, I, he was essential. So his, his income buffered us enough that we can make do without me making money at the time. I had enough in savings that I was able to make do as well. And, um, and my parents actually offered me a really sweet deal after I got fired. Um, they have a commercial space that they let me shack up in the back for very reasonable rent. And uh, I was able to start working again. And I did start working before mandates would allow me to, I said, fuck it. Uh, Cause
0: yeah, for I, me, it was like, happenally. I was
1: like, come get me, man. Then I'm going to call the Institute of justice and we're going to have a case. So that's how I saw it was like, you don't have the authority or the power to regulate me. There is no regulation in Maryland actually for tattooing, no licensure. So anybody who would come in, they have, they have no right to stop me. Like there's nothing that I'm doing. That's wrong. Um, technically. So I was, you know, I started at that point, but that's the reason why I got fired was because I wasn't going to shut up about what I knew to be the law and what I knew to be right. And that didn't go over too well. (laughs)
0: I was like, like, what has so
1: happened to us? We're supposed to be delinquents. We're supposed to be the subsect yeah. of society. What the fuck has happened? Do you do any of you have balls
0: anymore? Like, yeah, <laughs> like the son of Yeah. That's what <laughs> I just was surprised I didn't hear I guess it's smart not to announce what you're yeah. doing, but yeah. I, th- I thought I thought I'd hear I was thinking, I gotta hear some hint about this. You know, I was listening to the podcast for about tattooing for several years now.
1: Yeah.
0: I found you this summer when I was in Gatlinburg and started listening to you. Then I found like a couple of, you know, a couple of other ones then, but uh, that's, that's where I first found you. And then uh, I, at first I was like, I just got drawn in by the, just the word apprenticeship. You know, mm-hmm. Oh, you going to talk about apprenticeships. Is yeah, any Anybody that talks about that, I wanted to hear. And then when you you interview other people as well, and you really go in a lot of depth about it. So yeah. like, that just kept me listening.
1: Are
0: you talking about uh, a chicken farmer or a sign painter? But then I was like, okay, that's cool. You know, it's the same principle. And and like, how do you get into this? What did you do? You know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the constant driving thing, because I think that people feel, and that was a big thing in my, at least in my education was that, you know, the old heads and that's all I can call them because because they were taught by people who were kind of rougher parts of society. Um, Mm -hmm. there was a lot of abuse, there was a lot of hazing and whether, whether they liked it or not, what they suffered was something that kind of made them, how do I put this? It, it just, it made them really stubborn to learning new information It was almost as if they had arrived at something. Okay. Now I'm a tattoo artist and I've arrived. And it's kind of like, it's kind of like the nurse, the head nurse in your thing. That's like, you don't talk back to me. You're not allowed to talk back to me. And it was that attitude of, of a hierarchy kind of thing. Like I've arrived at something and you need to grovel because you want what I have. And that was always the attitude. But the problem was, is that when I came into tattooing, it was more of a renaissance of it where art kids were coming in. So here's the deal is that, yeah, you know how to tattoo, but I know how to draw better than you. And that, that we can't dispute. Um, I do know how to draw better than you. And I would happily show you all the things that my parents paid for and that I endured learning if you would just be less of a dick. But see, that was not that was not a cool thing for them. For them, it was like, no, I've arrived, I've baselined, you're the little shit, and you're not allowed to ask questions. But but that's not how people learn. You learn through asking questions. You also learn as a mentor through having questions asked of you. It yeah, it kind yeah. of you know attacks your own knowledge. So that's really what ha- has happened, I think, is that there's kind of an evolution of even the mentorship of this whole thing, because people are realizing that if they went through shit that they didn't like, or they didn't appreciate, it's probably not a good idea to do it to someone else. Um, But there is a level, I wouldn't say of hazing, but of earning it that is necessary that you have to kind of push back at people and you kind of got to make them, you know, you, you can't give them everything they want. Um, uh, Garrett, um, Garrett radio, he, I interviewed him recently. He's in Minnesota and he's like, I'm going to treat you like a child, but I'm going to treat you like a child. I like that. I want to see grow up into something good, but I'm going to treat you like you're a baby. And I thought that was a great way of putting it really, because that's the way it is. Like, you're not going to like that you get treated like a child, but I am going to, tre- because you are, you're a baby and um, you're going to be treated like a baby until you've earned, you know, a higher level of my understanding that you can handle certain things, but um, I'm going to treat you like a baby I like. And then I want to see, do good things in this world, um, which I thought was a great way to put it. Cause so it's, it's a hard thing because if you've been abused, you don't know what was abusive, what wasn't you just know what you went through and what you, you know, had to endure. So that was why this whole analysis came down to me is because I wanted people, I want to people to make good decisions about their career paths. And like I said, um, before we started, I wanted them to be able to cut the fat of all the other noise and find what was right for them and what wasn't. And I feel like for me, when I listen to podcasts, it's the best way for me to learn because I'm not being ordered to do anything. I've got a very, like, don't tell me what to do. Kind of kind of spirit. Um, So when people are telling me what to do, I get really like, just leave me alone, man. Like, let me figure it out. Um, But when I'm listening to a podcast, it's more like I get to cherry pick from other people's experiences and figure out what's right for me. And then I'm armed with, with ideas and notions And it gives me the questions to ask, which is what I wanted for people who are approaching apprenticeships or going into a profession so that they can one, learn faster two know if they're in a bad situation for them. Um, Because if you're not allowed to ask questions, then I don't believe that's a good situation. Um, And um, also so that they can find maybe the right person. So if they hear somebody on here that, that, they like and that they get along with. it maybe they'll reach out. Maybe they'll connect. Maybe they'll, you know, learn something from them. Or they'll go on their own apprenticeship journey. Because um, I think that that's important too. I want, I want like legacy, and I want to kind of dismantle all this, this extra stuff. You know, I believe in what Goodwill Hunting. You know, uh, Matt Damon said when he's like you know, I'm stupid, you're the one who spent a 100 grand on an education that you could have gotten for a buck 50 in late charges at the public library. Mm -hmm. You know, like, that's, that's the thing is that like, you know, people always assume and there are professions that you you do have to have a certain level of education with for sure. But a lot of things I believe come down to will to passion to wanting it to hunting it, to finding it for yourself. And that's going to be the fuel that carries you through that profession for a lifetime. And it also helps you transition and, and, um, also know that you are just a, a learned person, you know, like that you're not shut into a profession. Um, because what I've discovered in my time tattooing is I'm good at a lot of things. I'm good at speaking to people. I'm good at, you know, connecting with people. I'm good at service. Um, you know, I've been through a lot of therapy, so I'm good at, you know, helping people yeah. through a lot of mental challenges they're having. There's a lot of shit I'm good at. Yeah. I'm also a great hairstylist, you know, so there's a lot of things I could go to. And then, you know, I, I've had to find a lot of information for myself. So I know that I can do that, too. And I want cool. people to know they have that.
0: So why did tattooing win out over hairstyling?
1: Did um, you
0: better or just like it better?
1: I always did art. I always did art. And I was that, um, I was that horse, unicorn, dragon girl that loved fantasy. And so I think honestly, I mean, I'm glad you asked that question. Thank you. I think this is turning more in an interview of me, but this is great because it'll give people some, well, it gives people some, some idea of maybe they'll hear themselves in me, but, um, I won't say there isn't regrets um, when it comes to hair because I could have done that. I could have and I didn't realize how much I could have until I walked away from it and and now know what paths I could have taken with it. Um, But I think a big thing was like you had said, I've been shot down in a way that I didn't I didn't feel myself in. So at first I really liked fashion. I really loved, um, the idea of designing really cool fashion, but Mm -hmm. I went to, um, what was it called? Uh, it was, it's a New York fashion school. It's like the biggest one there. Forget what it is. But I, when I was there, I just, I did not like the people. I didn't like the people. I didn't like the atmosphere. I felt like it was really catty and just kind of vicious, honestly, and then also when they looked at my work, they were like, well, this is more costumey than it is fashion. And, and it really took the wind out of my sails because it was costumey. Uh, you know, I like, I like animals and exploration of animals, but, um, and then in hair, you know, when you're doing hair for like a small, um, a small town, which it's, you know, Carroll County isn't big you know, you're doing normal stuff. You're doing, you know, a regular trim. You're doing a regular color job. You're doing, you know, a body wave for somebody or a perm or something like that. You're not doing, you know, photo shoots with high-end people where you're trying to do fashion and the height of fashion. Even though I had an opportunity that I fucking pissed away, dude. Like I went to this, I went to this training down in Florida with, uh, Louise Alvarez and Eric Fisher and all the stuff. They were part of the Aquage group and they did, um, the Naha world wa- awards, which I found out were this big creative awards that they do in hair and hair creativity. And, um, I learned, all about fashion shoots that they do there, different levels of, of hair cutting and hair, you know, mechanics and updos and all that stuff. So it was very creative. And Luis Alvarez said, he wanted me, he wanted me. And I was like, well, you can't have me. I'm on my dad's, you know, like, and I, <laughs> I went back home and I was just like, no, man, I, I'm an artist. Like, I'm not, I'm not any of this. Like in my head, it was just like, I didn't identify myself in that. And I didn't see the art there the way he saw the art in me and wanted me to be a part of that crew now now I see you know with with YouTube videos and stuff like that like I've done makeup I've done hair I've done all of it I've you know I know the photo shoots and stuff and I really like being that behind the scenes person I do and I dabble in it um, whenever I can I model at times Um, Mm -hmm. I like all of those things but you know I Like you said, in the beginning, most artists, there's that introverted place. And for me, my art has always been my place of solace and peace where I, where anything is possible. And with my clients and what I found with tattooing is, is that they're not coming to me. Well, some of them are, but they're not coming to me to get everybody's art or what they've already seen. They're coming to get what I do and they're coming to get something special from me and so in that way, I saw, I just saw a better way for me to use something that I had already come to on my own that gave me a lot of peace that I could share with other people in, mm-hmm. in a really cool way. Whereas hair, and, th- and then the other part about hair is just that it it's so, it's so mainstream. And I feel like a lot of it makes people not happy with who they are, really. I know that's weird to say, but like, it's not how I ever did it. I, I always did it with like trying to convince people that they were fine on their own. Let's turn up, let's turn up the notch of what you already got going for you. Yeah. And why are we spending all this money to make you look like the celebrity? You know, like you, that's not you, that's not your life. Let's, let's work with what you have and make you own it and make you own it well and give you some yeah. confidence. But like, for me, the beauty industry was so much about like, you know, it was so superficial in a lot of ways Um, I I have great respect for it and I have great respect for the players. Um, They're amazing artists, but, but the way that it, it affects other people um, I feel like it always lets people feel lesser and like they need something. Whereas Mm -hmm. tattooing, I feel like you want more tattoos, but once you get a tattoo, you feel more like yourself. Like you're like, finally, I'm me, you know, like this is everything Mm -hmm. I've always wanted to look like. And you feel the sense of gratification and validation. And now you feel proud to walk out in the world. It's very self-affirming. So I just liked the way it, it affected, I guess, my community more. Um, but it's also what it did for me. You know, I got to dream more. There's there's boundless things that you can get into with art and explore. Whereas with hair, it's, it's hair, you know, it's hair. <laughs>
0: I, mean, it's I cool. guess if you got too outrageous with it, you'd have too small a clientele problem. because mm-hmm. only so many people want to have a really crazy hairstyle.
1: Well, I mean, it depends on where you find yourself. You 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 have to be really competitive if you do that. Like you can get into the artist realms of it. Had I not shit over my, my Luis Alvarez, who was a big fucking guy, still a big guy. Um, and I also took on a commission to do a painting of his daughter, which I totally like did not do. I've been thinking about actually doing it for him and just sending it to him. I'm sure she's an adult now. Like she was a little kid then. I'm sure she's a full grown adult with a baby already. But I think that he would really appreciate that. I still have the picture of his kid. Um, And he was like, I want her to be a mermaid. And I I was going to turn her into a mermaid. I should do that just to do it for him and send it. But like he said to me, then he was like, I want you, I want you a part of my staff. And had I gotten in with a product company that was all about selling the product and creating marketing and advertising for a product line, then then, then you're not in the scope of dealing with normal people anymore. You're, you're in the fashion world and you're, you're doing high-end fashion. Um, it would have been cool. Um, but I said, no, (laughs) I said, no, it was kind of dumb. And I, I there's so many people that I know that when they hear that, they're like, you did what? You said what to do, but that was always my attitude with everybody. was just like, you know, you should yeah. have the same kind of hole I do, man. Like uh, we're all doing the same thing. And that's, that's also what the podcast is about. We're all people. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of my idols right now is going through a lot of attack and he's somebody who brought me to, t- to podcasting, which is Joe Rogan. And, yeah, um, yeah, I know. and I, you know, I feel it in my heart that I'm disappointed with some of the things that, that he's done, but I'm not Joe Rogan, but I am a person. And so I look at him and I go, this is just one guy who's being, you know, has like a tidal wave of shit just coming at him. And I think he's actually being very graceful about it, honestly. And um, I can't imagine what's, what's happening. Some exciting news, diary listeners. We actually got a wonderful promotional code from Reinventing the Tattoo recently, and we're happy to share this with you. It's 10% off on a subscription to Reinventing the Tattoo. And if you don't know about this wonderful, wonderful service, it's continuing education for working professionals, very geared around tattooers. But I would venture to say that if you are looking to improve your art skills and have regular momentum to your career, Creativity and to your own professional education. I can't recommend it enough. One of the prime people that you will be critiqued by and helped with and draw with and all of that good stuff is Guy Atchison. And if you don't know about him, you probably should. He is a very, very pivotal person in our industry. I joined them for, for one exercise. I, I did a color study. I mean, Rico sat there and, and watched me the other night do mm-hmm. a, a color study exercise with Guy and company and it was amazing. I was flexing all kinds of muscles. It's just all round if you want to improve your art skills. I can't see a better way than hanging out with a lot of professional artists and seeing the kind of work that they do and the kind of exercises they work on all the time. It's www.reinventingthetattoo.com backslash The Apprenticeship Diaries. So again, that's www.reinventingthetattoo.com backslash The Apprenticeship Diaries. And that's going to save you 10% on your subscription.
0: Go check it out, folks. Well, what the media is not telling you is that the the medical field is not like all monolithically drank the Kool-Aid about COVID. I mean, COVID is the reason. But it's you know like the the mask theater situation as, they, as some people call it theater it kind of is that and not and this but this I've heard my own ears I've heard doctors say things like they just need to get rid of all these stupid mandates and let let it get through the population and people mm-hmm. build up immunities and like, other than you know if someone's got comorbidities and they're in bad shape let's protect them but the rest right. of the world needs to go on you know
1: right and you know
0: they got kids in school too and they're they're complaining they make all the same complaints to hear the the supposedly right winger people as they're calling them that are complaining about their kids in school but they're these doctors are saying the same thing yeah, you know? yeah yeah and um it's just there's not everybody has full-on drank the kool-aid no
1: no yeah. i know that and that's that's my, been my my thing that i tweet to to joe specifically i'm sure he doesn't check his own tweets because he's cool like that but I always say, like, dude, you don't have to apologize. You don't have to do better. Like, your fans see you. We know you. Yeah, we know what yeah, you've been. Well, I mean, I, I don't really even see it as an apology. I see it as him kind of confronting what was happening. And uh, I think he's I think he's a good guy. I think he's a good guy who is yeah. upset that something that he never had any intention of doing is affecting people so much in so many ways that it, it I think it truly upsets him. Like, I, I think that that's yeah. the truth is that I think it really is upsetting to him. I think it's upsetting to him that, that Spotify is losing money. I think it's upsetting to him that people that he admires, like, like Neil Young and, and Joni Mitchell are pulling, you know, pulling these shots at him. I think mm-hmm. it's upsetting that, that something that he never had any intention of doing anything more, but than to share all of the friends and the people that he's met throughout his career and kind of, you know, doing what you and I are doing right now, mm-hmm. like just showcasing people and sharing these long form conversations where people get to connect that now he's yes. being completely railroaded because of it. I think it just upsets yeah.
0: him. It could be a good thing in the long run that somebody like him getting attacked because they'll fight back instead of just problem and apologizing. You know, because it's really, I think it's like a small minority of loud people far more than just being the general population who yeah. thinks these things and um, or thinks well, the opposite of what he's saying.
1: A lot of these social media sites have censored so much, too, that you don't you don't yeah. know what what is the common thread. There's 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 it's not information. It's not misinformation. It's 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 managed information, honestly, is what's happening. Mm-hmm. And. So within that respect, if you're a person who, you know, who I appreciate doesn't have a lot of connection with social media and you live your life and all of this stuff happens to you and now you're inside and now you're just trying to listen to whatever anyone else has said, you're in a completely different realm. You don't know. And you you expect your media outlets and, and social media to be able to deliver you a, a broad spectrum of information that you can digest mm-hmm. and, and make up your own mind, but that's not what's happening right now. And it's, yeah. it's upsetting. Yeah. Um, I, for me, what I hope, and this will go out on our podcast. So hopefully people will hear that. They'll hear it a little late because, uh, you know, I have people that I'm posting before. Mm-hmm. Um, so this'll, this'll be cool to hear afterwards, but, um, and then we'll see what happens with all this. But my hope is that, you know, people The mob is very, very interesting to me. And and that's a lot of what I think is people's hesitancy to be on a podcast or put themselves out there at all on any kind of level is that they they fear this mob. But the the truth of it is, is that. If if you can think in those moments of attack about, you know, what what you have to actually think of, you know, like Joe is generally like I, I think he's genuinely upset. And this is what's shaking him. He wants, he, he is kind, he is giving, he does care about what he does and who he is and and the people that he affects. And so that's genuine. But for me, it's just like, guys, you know, we keep doing this as a society. I wish that as people, you know, this is what upsets me is why aren't we looking at Spotify? You know, Spotify is the one that made this deal. They're the platform. They're the ones who are supposed to be hosting creatives. And to host a creative, an artist, means that if it, if it is something that evokes a, a certain anger or whatever, that's good art. That, that's just good art. So are you in the business of hosting artists and creatives or, or are you in the business of, you know, media control? Is that your business? Because it doesn't seem like that's your business. So um, for me you know, I have a podcast, I'm, I'm small potatoes right now, but I want to be bigger potatoes in this. So for me, it's, it's a great opportunity for places like Spotify who want to usher in, you know, creatives and be a place that, that gets to work with creatives and always do this, bring in new talent, man. You know, you're going to have to hustle. You're going to have to do some work. You're going to have to like find them or put out a PSA about, You know, finding people you're going to have to go through the throes of very raw people who don't know their head from their ass. They don't know the industry, but you could get some really dope, new, fresh faces in there that could be blockbuster Mm -hmm. hits. Take some goddamn pressure off of Joe Rogan, for Christ's sake, because he's one guy. He's one guy. He's very talented, but he's not the only talent out there. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we see all these older people walking away. Fine. Let them walk away usher in some new talent. Cause I've yeah. seen, and I'm not even talking about myself. Of course, that would be cool, but I've seen so much talent out there, man. Like, on instagram and stuff oh, people yeah, that yeah. have like no followers whatsoever i'm like why don't you have people just flocking to you you're brilliant like there was a guy that i screenshotted the other day he just gets in his barn and he starts like plucking away at his guitar and he sings like an angel and i'm like dude you have like two thousand followers if and i'm like what you are so dope like get yeah. some new people hustle that's what Look i out watch
0: mostly, more than anything i mean I there's a few genuine shows like ozark or something i watch but it's it's a lot of it's video it's youtube videos and podcasts because it's like we passed we bypassed the gatekeeper and like sometimes sometimes it's well edited sometimes it's raw podcast but either way it's fine with me um i just i just like that they're two mechanics talking about something or a couple tattoo artists talking about something and and uh when you're talking about the long form i guess i was i don't know if joe rogan introduced that but he's the first person Mm -hmm. i've seen do it and i remember thinking the same things he talked about later. I didn't, you know, realize he had the same ideas, but i'm like, oh, this is better than some stupid news show where the person's getting, getting really get in starting to get into it and they're like, oh, we're out of time. We gotta go. Yeah. You know, like if they get five minutes if they're lucky, if even that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I just like because they'll go back and forth or like somebody like Jordan Peterson, if he's on there or he's on other people's podcasts, I just like listen while I'm driving or sometimes doing artwork sometimes like yesterday i was finishing some illustrations i had to do for somebody mm-hmm. and i just finished the entire that reacher show that just came on uh, uh whatever that's on amazon I've just binged the whole show while under, you know having something in the background while i'm working all day mm-hmm. so, i mean it's but mainly it's like podcasts and youtube videos more than yeah. anything
1: well, they're applicable, right? Like, you know, the, the rest of the stuff is kind of like the junk food. Like you do it while you're doing other things. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what they've become for me as I've kind of been just listening to things in the background while I'm doing my, my art and my life, but I'm obsessed, man. Like I eat, breathe and sleep this shit. Like I'm always Mm -hmm. looking for an angle. And if I'm not indulging myself, I'm usually, Talking to somebody like you or a friend of mine where I'm hearing about their life and the things they want to do, and I'm just offering ideas. I'm just troubleshooting and going, Well, what if you did this? And what if you did that? The other mm-hmm. night, my friend Courtney, she has a a grooming business and she does dog grooming. And I was like, Well, what if you do this? What if you do that? And she's like, and We're just, we're just she's like, Oh my God, dude. Like, you're like into this. I'm like, I love dreaming about businesses I love turning up the heat and other people's experiences and just dreamscaping about what it could be and what could yeah, be really cool
0: people need an outside person to, yeah like another person just to get them to realize something
1: well and get sometimes. them excited because yeah. I think sometimes you just think about the thing itself that you're doing and you're like oh it's getting dull it's getting boring but then you know this particular person she's 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 amazing at like party coordinating. She's really cool at like decorating. She has a great eye like for design and stuff like that. I mean, obviously, she's a dog groomer. She knows how to make a dog really look good. But like that's that's not just what she's her whole house, her whole being, like the way she decorates herself is very very good and very on point. I was like, you know, you should, you should ask to like, you know, decorate the space, you know, spread out. She goes, well, it's not my space. I was like, well, make it your space, you know, make it your space and, and get your, get the people you work with on board. Who knows it might become your space one day, or at the very least, you're going to have a new heat to your experience. That's about what you know, you can do and what you can bring to the table and, you know, play with it, you know, like, don't just do dog grooming, you know, like, get into artisan fucking dog treats or whatever, you know, like make it a boutique for dogs. Like find out who your local knitters are and like get some knitted dog sweaters in there, like make business for other people. Fuck it. Like just hammer it and whatever you can dream of. And, um, she was like, "Whoa, okay, maybe I should think about this a little bit more,
0: but that's the thing. Could a, could somebody be say like part-time illustrator part-time pet portraits so I do a lot of those and a part-time tattoo person is can somebody i'm doing it right now (laughs) i mean if you have your i guess if you have your own shop but like if you were especially early on like getting trying to get into a shop somewhere or or you're finishing your apprenticeship they can they're probably going to expect you to like no, you need to be here full time.
1: Yeah. They, they need you there right away. Like in the beginning, you're going to want to be, and that was the problem with my most recent apprentice was that he wasn't putting the full-time hours in. And it was, I saw hurting his, his journey, his attitude and all of that kind of stuff. I mean, he might not have seen it, but I saw it. And so I was like, hey, this can't happen. You know, you need to have you need to have a rhythm and you need to saturate yourself at this point because it's your, your, your baby. Like in those first years as a baby, we've taken so much that, you know, uh, we're probably not even cognizant of that, that we learn about mm-hmm. our experience. That's so subliminal. And I do believe that that's very foundational. Um, not to say that, I mean, honestly, like being raised in a professional setting, like I was raised in small business. So I truly believe that having gone through all that, um, I got kind of an education more than other people anyway. So it's per person, which is why I like apprenticeship because, you know, you can really meet somebody where they're at and it's one-on-one and you can adjust your learning style as you see needed for that particular being. Um, Mm -hmm. and everybody's different. Um, so I you know there's the the fundamentals but then there's you know knowing the person and knowing how to reach them and what they need um, which Let's, is interesting
0: let me ask you about something else that I just thought of sure um, I used to where I time to time design tattoos for people uh-huh. and on a few occasions I've gone with them to when they were getting to when they actually got it done by the artist the tattoo artist and at one place um, I don't know, this was kind of born 10 years ago probably now but um i went into the bathroom they had there and you know the, the little men's room and it had a couple of pictures on the wall like you'd expect and then like off in this one corner up high like maybe there were vinyl stickers i, I don't think they were painted on but there's like little black silhouettes of, of birds like three in a row maybe like facing towards near the corner of the wall up high like over the toilet mm-hmm. and um and I was like, "What is that about?" Because it wasn't like it wasn't like the whole wall was decorated with weird wallpaper designs. It was just there by itself. And I almost asked the the tattoo guy, "Like, is that something for like your apprentice? Like, you go know, like, okay, young padawan, when you when you can tell me where the three birds are hidden, then you you'll achieve mastery or something like that." <laughs> I was gonna ask about what, what that was about, but and I thought was that some secret. And I might not leave alive if I ask. Him well, about
1: it. Um, I'm gonna make a guess because I don't know but this is my guess. Um, I think it was actually a low key dig on all the fucking birds that people were getting tattooed themselves. Like, so there was a book series called Divergent. And um, one of the things that she got was like birds bursting out, like, like these black silhouettes of birds on her. And that was one of the tattoos that the character got. I don't know if that was the origin of this, but then everything was birds. Then there was feathers that broke into birds. There was all these things, and they were always located in just like a. I just want it here, and it was just like randomly placed. <laughs> and so my my thought is they were kind of being dicks and to the commentary of like I'm just going to put birds on it, and then it'll be awesome, and we're just going to put these random
0: birds in the. Oh, cord- <laughs> maybe <so. Good> <laughs> That's
1: what I think. I don't know,
0: but it would I mean, be were, cool I, if I remember right. They were just like in a walk, standing. They weren't flying. Like they were in a standing position. Like. Ducks in a row, except they're black birds,
1: Well, then maybe not. Maybe, maybe it did have some. I would have been curious to ask. Maybe they did. It would have been cool if, like that, had been the number of apprentices that they had there, or how many artists they had, or something. Um, But it probably was very inside their particular niche or shop, because every shop has their vibe, and and you you become like a family. It becomes very like. I don't know, very close. And, and the, the shop. And I mean, when I went into Minnesota, I was there and I was sticking sticking googly eyes on shit. They were like, here, we want googly eyes, all this wall. And they gave me this whole thing of googly eyes. <laughs> and I was just stickling go- googly eyes. I mean, I was, I became a part of their shop. Like I, I, I made a mark on their shop and um, I watched them as they um, were framing all of these framed pictures and they were hanging them on the wall. And so I was there for that. Like, it was really cool to watch them, you know, create their shop while I was there. And I felt like I was being a part of their story. So um, that's what happens. I mean, it would have been cool to know, but I, I don't know anything off the top of my head within the industry that that could have been. I'm guessing it's, an, it's a nod to all the birds and all the bird silhouettes that we do all yeah, that the damn have... time.
0: <laughs> yeah, it could have been it.
1: Yeah. I mean we tend to be dicks. Apparently there's a shirt that's out there that that has uh lettering upside down that says I did it for me. And that's a big thing in the tattoo world cuz people get tattoos upside down and they're like, "Well, I want to see it, you know, like it's for me. It's not for anyone." Else. <laughs> and then you're like, "Well, yeah, but it's <laughs> Yeah, but everybody else is going to see it, bro, and it's upside down for them." <laughs> So there's shirts yeah. out there that are tattoo shirts. They're you know, like, I did it for me.
0: <laughs> it's
1: like a low key, like dig, which I don't typically like because, you know, clients, they don't, they don't know anything. And at the end of the day, you don't have to wear it. As long as you, as long as you take the time to educate them about what they're doing and they, they are given all the information and they're, they're making a choice that is fully, you know, educated and, and well thought out and they go along with it. Then, then you can take your hands off, you know, then you can be like, look, I I gave them this, you know, advice. They didn't take it. They got to wear it, you know, it doesn't, it, not everything is going to be a masterpiece and not everything is about you. Um, in fact, most things aren't when it's in a commercial setting, it's, it's a 50, 50 split. And mm-hmm. I feel like as long as you approach it that way yeah. and you make sure you own what's yours and what's your responsibility, you're always going to be fine. Um, I don't look at it as um, I mean, maybe other tattoo artists judge me, but I don't really give a shit. They're not paying my bills. Um, that's how I see it. I mean, there, there are a lot of tattoo artists that try to be cool in the eyes of other tattoo artists, which I think is an odd thing because I mean, you know, everybody likes to be complimented by other people on their work, but they're not my client, you know, My, my client is, is my client and they're the ones paying my bill and they're the ones that I'm sharing the space with. And nobody knows what we're, what we're exchanging in those moments. And that's, what's really rare. And that's what stays with you for a lifetime. I feel, Mm -hmm. um, I've met a lot of, a lot of people that have had really great tattoos that I've said, Oh my God, that's an awesome tattoo. And they're like, yeah, but the dude was a dick. I don't really like it.
0: Can you imagine say that a lot? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like they're like, I just, I wish I had somebody different do it. Like, yeah, the tattoo is cool, but I really didn't, I didn't have a good experience. That's, that's sad. When you think about that, you know, you spend a lot of money, you sacrifice a part of your skin that is not going to be able to get, be gotten back. And then your, your end result is like, I really just don't even like it. So when I hear tattoo artists kind of complain, they're like people run up to me and they show me their tattoos and their shit. And they're so proud of them. I just, I don't even know what to say. I'm like, you just smile and say, that's awesome, man. I'm so glad that you love what I do. You know, here's my card, you know, check out my work and then let it go. You know, like that's it. Like it's not for you to, to criticize.
0: I've had discussions like that with people. Um, they were like some, sometimes some cases of musicians, sometimes it was artists where they're like, they hear some song like, I can't stand it. Oh, they did this and that wrong. And like, don't you feel like that when you see like a, like when we saw that mural yesterday that was badly painted and I was like, yeah, I don't care. You
1: know, yeah, really, I don't give a shit. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, don't I don't have to look at it, you know. Right. I, I was taped to the, my eye was taped forward at it, and I had to look at it for six hours maybe, but it's yeah. not gonna happen, you know, so. Yeah, you know
1: exactly. Care. It's not for me to yuck your yum. It doesn't mean that I don't have opinions, but I've learned in therapy and through experience, it's not a good idea to give people opinions that they didn't ask for.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, and um, even if they ask, as a way to tell them, yeah, you know, like, oh, you could have did this there. Or if you're since you're asking me, but yeah, mm-hmm. you by and large, they're like I don't get bent out of shape by somebody's bad art you know no or art I might think is bad or something
1: no and if it gets to a point with a client where I feel like I would be hurting my integrity as an artist and as a person to do what they ask I just tell them I can't and and we part ways and we don't we don't make permanent marks and and if I can I'll recommend somebody that I feel would be a better fit if I can sometimes it's not possible. I'm just like, good luck with that, man. I don't, I don't know who's going to do that, but I think you need to find, you know, keep looking.
0: Um, it's the same principle in uh, like the illustration where they're like, if you don't want to do this kind of illustration and they maybe you've done them a couple of times and you find out you don't like them, don't put them in your portfolio. Yep. Somebody else is going to come along and say, I like that thing that you hate making. Mm-hmm. Can I get six of these for a book? You know, and yeah. no, I want to do that. So put stuff in there that you want to, the kind of things you want to do, obviously. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, and and until you're tired of them, you know, like I, there's a lot of things that I love to do that now, you know, I kind of think, well, I've I've done so many, (laughs) you know, like Mm -hmm. I've done so many, it's not, it's not, I don't want to do more, but it's just like, Mm -hmm. man, I've done so many of these. Like sometimes it's refreshing to go and do something at this point that I wouldn't have taken, you know, ten years ago, and be like, "Yeah, man, I'll do that all day. I'm gonna get that done in like five minutes. Bang that shit out, <laughs> like no problem." Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, oh, I just remember we did uh in the way back in the army we did like the stick and poke thing. Mm-hmm. Like a whole bunch. We were like we're bored, nothing to do. We're kind of stationed in the middle of nowhere almost, and so we're like, there's this big giant needle called a Keith needle that they use in the OR. And if you could look up close at the at the point it's like a chisel point it's not it's okay. not just like a roundish point um and then so we did the thing we wrapped we used silk suture and we wrapped it around it and then I already had india ink with me nice. brought from the army. so we're like in our barracks at night like putting a little flame on the thing and then to sterilize it and using my india ink and I got like a whole bunch of us one guy put two sweet on his arm one guy the smartest guy just put this little tiny cross so I put this kind of looks big to me but this uh like supposed to be a palm tree with the sun behind it because i was from virginia beach oh nice you know, it was the, the beach guy and uh but they it came out horrible looking so like when i was doing the tat when i got that tattoo machines years later to kit and i was doing it on myself I'm like let me do it right around this because i'm eventually gonna get this covered up i still haven't but so so it's the difference it's so horrible looking all my little scratchy things i'm doing here with, playing with the tattoo machine is not going to matter so and then the weird thing was I had to get a flu shot after I did all that sometime later. I, get a, I had to roll my sleeve up and the nurse is giving me the flu shot. I goes, Oh, cool tattoo. And I'm looking up, i her like, really? Are you crazy? This is, nothing, this is all the garbage is where I put it. You
1: know, okay. Well, you it's know, easy to please. yeah, well, you know that she, she's probably handling her own anxiety too. Like as a phlebotomist or anybody who has to give injections, like you, you're not, you're not running into necessarily just chill people when you're about to stick a needle in them. So she was probably just trying to monitor your anxiety as she's sticking it with a needle and and distract you. Cause I hate it every time my, my chiropractor is like, okay, you know, wiggle your toes at this moment. I'm like, dude, I'm not going to tense up. Just crack my fucking neck. Like like, I'm I'm cool. I know what you're about to do. It's gonna be amazing. Just do it. Yeah. Like I'm not. God, believe me, I'm not gonna tense. <laughs> <Yeah>. I'm relaxed. <laughs> and I would imagine yeah. it's the same with anybody who has to give injections. Like they're, it's part okay. of their paranoia about how yeah. you're well, gonna react. They
0: often they get an idea that that men can't handle shots, and I guess maybe they run into some that have. But like I'm like, I used to get the allergy shots up and down my arm when I was a kid. So whatever, yeah. you know, it's nothing. So I was like, just give me the shot. I don't care.
1: When you're in the military yeah. too, man, like that's, that's their just whole
0: philosophy. Just, there, yeah. just stick them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Like they won't tolerate somebody <laughs> that's scared in the OR. I mean, I've, I've watched them in the, like some guys in piling and pain, they're doing some kind of crazy thing on the side, like a minor thing where you can be awake for and they're supposed to be giving them injections. And I, the guy's like, Doubling over in pain, and the doctor's like, "We're oh, being a baby," and I'm just thinking, "You could just reach over and give him." You still have more of the, the lidocaine. Yeah. Give him some more. Give him another shot. What does it hurt you to do that? You know? Yeah. I, I didn't say it. I thought it, but you know, <laughs> that's that was the philosophy there. Don't be. You gotta baby. give them
1: a hard time. You know, yeah. belittle them a little bit makes them tougher.
0: Mm-hmm. But uh, in- and <laughs> nowadays I would have been like, "Did you want to give them injections?" No. Okay. You know, I at least would have <laughs> let him think about it. You know, give them a chance <laughs> right. to think sometimes you gotta form them so they can make an informed choice yeah like it's not my choice to make but i feel like sometimes well this other option here some surgeons have done this sometimes they do it sometimes they don't yeah you know, but it's, you got to tell them another surgeon that don't it can't be my suggestion
1: right you
0: know? yeah like it's, oh did you go to medical school like uh no but.
1: yeah well there's a lot of that these days like are you a professional and i'm like listen man I, I have eyes and I've been here for 40 years. Can we at least yeah. talk about that? Cause yeah. like I've been through a lot of shit. I've, I've, you yeah. know, it, it, I, I think that I'm worthy to have an opinion. It might not be a yeah. qualified opinion and nobody's telling you have to listen to it. I'm just saying that yeah. maybe I'm not the only one in this room who thinks that way. I just, it, it, if it's crossing my mind, it, yeah. I might it not can, be the it, only it one. It
0: very well be somebody else. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it gives the allowance to, too, because I do, that's the other thing with um, podcasting in general is that it, it, it's, it's important for people to have these kind of discussions. Cause I do think that you learn so much and you, you learn a very valuable thing that I had to go through a lot of therapy in order to understand, which is that I'm not alone, that, that I'm very normal as far as most people and what they're challenged with in life. And, um, that, that all I need is proper coaching and direction and some basic skills, um, and understandings and, and to really, um, figure out what my ethics are and make sure I don't leverage them in what I do. But beyond that, um, you know, most things, most things you, you learn as you go. And as long as you're able to ask questions, I think you're able to do that. And, um, and yeah. I wanted people to know that you can fail. You know, like people who succeed, they fail a lot. They fail a lot. Well,
0: I'm around a lot of people with smart people with lots of education, and they still got all the same quirks mm-hmm. and problems everyone else has. Yeah, anxieties. Oh, yeah. You see, seriously, like very anxious during the case.
1: Their problems just yeah. cost more. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. exactly. And then you That's... always want, and it, not to diminish. Uh, I don't make it all sound like I'm making light of their accomplishments. Because it's a big, it's a long way yeah. to get there. But I, sometimes I always, I don't always, I wonder about their motivation sometimes. I'm sure mm-hmm. some doctors, no doubt, are, I just want to help people, mm-hmm. you know. But other ones you wonder, is it the money, the prestige, or whatever. But or sometimes it's like this. they got this drive, like I must achieve everything. And which is fine, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But like I was wondering, what, what is their motivation? Because it's not always the same. Sometimes their parents made them do it. All right, that wraps up part two of Amy's interview with Tony Albanese. Be sure to tune in next week for the conclusion. Thanks for listening. You can find The Apprenticeship Diaries on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our IG is the underscore apprenticeship underscore diaries. If you would like to offer constructive criticism or an interview, drop us an email at theapprenticeshipdiaries at gmail.com. We, we look, look forward, forward to hearing from, from our, our listeners. listeners.